Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Yeah, we do welcome you to the TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic show. Thanks for joining us. Beautiful, beautiful Monday here, emanating out of the fine city of Chicago. Maybe not as fine as the fine city of Vancouver, Canada, who is uh, hopefully resting a little bit this morning after the two-week two week, uh, festivity that was the Olympic Games. How about that? It comes to a close Last night, what better way to finish it, too, than that gold medal hockey game? We'll be talking about that, kind of a little Olympic roundup. We might get a little bit of it in tomorrow's discussion. Uh, every Tuesday here on the show is Residue Tuesday. And then after that, after a day or two, Vancouver 2010 is in the rearview mirror, and we look ahead. We surge ahead, but certainly for today, we can look back at some of the uh, great moments of the Olympic Games the last couple of weeks, and certainly the hockey game yesterday, one of those, if you want to join us. And right now, I am flying solo, hopefully going to be joined by the big dog, Joel Radowanski, my uh, fine partner here on thetalkzone.com. But our phone lines are open. Anytime you want to be the co-pilot, that pilot seat is open for you. Questions, thoughts? Ideas, suggestions, criticisms, positive, negative, anything in between, anything you got in your mind. Our phone lines are open for you at 888-463-6748. Again, 888-463-6748. We are also email efficient. You can check us out or uh, email any of your comments or thoughts at Mike2Guys, M-I-C and the number two, mike 2 Guys at AOL.com. Again, hope everybody out there had a uh, great weekend. Hopefully you had a chance to watch some sports over the weekend. Hopefully not too busy taking care of the chores and getting all the activities done. But uh, good stuff. Good, good stuff. All two weeks I thought it was outstanding. I know there's detractors out there who, um, you know, not big fans of the Winter Olympics. We kidded a couple of times during the week. Heard a couple of people comments saying their favorite event of the Winter Olympics was the closing ceremony. So I understand there are those people out there, but I think for the most part, uh, we are once again captured, and sometimes it's once only every four years, but so be it. Uh, but we were captured by the uh, speed skating, by the snowboarders, by the skaters, by the skiers, by the losers, and if you really want to get wild and crazy, maybe even by the curlers. I didn't go quite that far. I got sucked into it all the way into the vacuum, all the way down the tunnel. I did not quite get sucked deep into the curling abyss. But outside of curling, I pretty much caught the fear. I'll tell you one sport I watched over the weekend that I thought was really, really cool, and that was the team pursuit. I don't remember seeing it in the last Olympics. It was the final of the speed skating events. The U.S., uh, both women's and men's teams uh, had some shocking upsets in the early rounds. I think the women knocked off the, uh, or the men, knocked off the Norwegian team, I want to say, that had that Sven Kramer guy was a Huge upset, but it was the three-person team skate where they're skating in the same direction but on opposite end lines. It's a team skating competition. Very, very cool. Called the team pursuit. Our men's team took second place. The women lost the bronze medal, but that was just an example. An example of uh, some of the new sports you can get hooked on, and I got totally hooked on that one. Of course, we'll talk about the uh, gold medal hockey game. Our uh, producer this week. 
Randy Myers, David Olson has not been fired, contrary to popular opinion, contrary to all the emails and stuff we've been getting. There has been no suspension of a David Olson. No. In fact, our regular producer, David Olson, is enjoying a well-deserved week off. Randy Myers is our producer uh, for this week, and Randy is telling me that we have the Big Dog reconnected on the air. Big Dog, is. Uh, do we got you on the line, Big Dog? Yes, it's good to know that Randy Myers is able to get a job after, uh, you know, pitching as a short man for the Cubs for a few years as a lefty out of the bullpen. Hate to, to disappoint you, not the same Randy Myers, and I watched the Cub Randy Myers. Oh, by the way, no, that, that's very good. That's, I'm not disappointed anymore. I was going to say, I've watched the Cubs Randy Meyer, and I've seen our producer extraordinaire Randy, our Randy Meyer here at the Talk Zone. I'll uh-huh. take, I'll take our guy over the broken down left handed that threw for the Cub. I, I just, I guess I'm out of the win, Coach. I'm going to have to agree with you. Randy Meyer's biggest highlight as a Chicago Cub was beating up a fan on the mound. Remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> that was a beautiful moment, Coach. <laughs> of course, we say that now. Right now, Randy's in a good mood, feeling good, a new week. A new gig, I guarantee you, after dealing with us by Friday, he's going to be like in a bad mood, thumbs down, the body language will be weak. So, you know, everything's good now. Just check back with us on Friday, uh, five days later. But, Big Dog, great to hear your voice. Hopefully um, you survived a weekend. I worry about you all the time. You know the first thing I do when I get my newspaper is check the crime report and make sure your name is, in fact, not in there. I, I actually had a, a lot to do this weekend, Coach. It was, it was amazing. I had all kinds of stuff to do. Pretty interesting weekend going around for me. But no, no crime report. Luckily, it wasn't arrested okay. this weekend. Every time you say you have lots to do, that opens up knowing you. And uh, some of our uh, listeners here in the talkzone.com just starting to get to know the big dog a little bit. We got some carryover listeners from our morning break radio days who know you extremely well. Those that know you well, when you do say you've got a lot to do this weekend, you know we worry about you. Yeah, yeah, and Friday, Friday started out with, uh, I, I went downtown and Pablo picked me up. Remember our guy Pablo Alvarez, coach? Yes, one of your drivers. Yeah, well, he, we, we did some work for this Bella Salon, B Bella Salon on State Street, and we took pictures for him for their Christmas party and stuff. And Pablo stupidly gave the guy the, the mini discs of the pictures and didn't get paid, so we haven't been paid by this guy. So I, I have a goatee now. I, I made the goatee up all nice and I dressed like I was out of, uh, Pulp Fiction, and I went into the guy's Iraqi was hilarious. I went in the business and asked for the money and stuff. All oh, a big, a big hubbub started. Mm-hmm. You know, I made a I made a hubbub in there saying, you know, we want our money and all that stuff. I walked out, another owner didn't know what was going on, and he's like, I'm going to get it to you. Don't worry, it was pretty funny, coach. It was so- really funny. Sounds like episode number seven of The Sopranos. Be well, careful. Trust me, I, well, I wasn't getting intimidating, but I looked intimidating. Do you, do you understand <clears> what I'm saying? That fired line, like they couldn't, like if on video. I didn't do anything wrong, and I didn't, like, get, like, you know, mean, and I didn't yell, but, you know, I just let them know. I was like, this is this is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. You know, it was pretty funny, though. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I stormed out of there. Both odors came running out. It was it was pretty funny when there, someone, you know, in their Iraqi accent, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, it was pretty funny. <laughs> Did you get your money? Uh, no, did not. Oh. And Pablo went back later to get it, and they had closed up early. So we're—I don't know what to do yeah. at this point. Closed up early. That's a sad story. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> closed up early. You might be going back there the next couple of days. They might be closed up permanently. This funny story might not be so humorous when you look back at it, my friend. No, I, uh, no, my... It's not that much money. It's not that much money. It's one hundred and fifty dollars. $150. Are you serious? That a business would not pay somebody for well, What the heck? You got to pay Pablo to drive you down there. Two days of having Pablo drive you down there is, is you're going to spend over 150 bucks. 
see, that's the one thing Randy, Randy Myers is going to have to get used to his coach. Not only does he not hear well, he doesn't listen either. I took the train <laughs> down there, Oh, so it's all good. <laughs> well, what happened to Pablo, your driver? Uh, well, he was picking me up because we had to do some other stuff later on, which we never ended up doing anyway. Because <laughs> Ladies I, I and gentlemen, for transcripts of today's show, if you'd like to know what's going on, I certainly would. You can write Randy Myers here in Care of the Talk Zone, and we will give you uh, written descriptions of everything that has happened on today's show. Free with deciphering, and I'll be the first to write in, Joel, because I basically have no idea what you're talking about, but uh, I remain humored. Okay, well, hey, you asked, well, it's way too much, Coach. Okay. Have to admit, it, it would legitimately take me half hour, and it's, it's the stuff, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's too much. It's okay. Too much. Well, let's get to the Olympic It'll Games, be because um, uh, let's talk about that gold medal game. And first of all, I thought I was going to be one of the few, but, but the more people I talk to, Big Dog, apparently... My uh, thought processes, I don't want to call it an opinion, but my uh, emotion at the time was not so unique. I actually did not mind the fact that Canada, in a, in a great hockey game, by the way, great, great, great gold medal hockey game, 888-463-6748 if you want to talk about it, but I was not eminently disappointed. I was watching the game for the greatness of the game. Not so much USA, USA for me when Canada scored the winning goal. You know what? I saw those fans go wild, the Canadian team. I was okay with it. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I'm not the same way, but I can totally appreciate where you're coming from. And if there was a team that was going to beat the United States in this uh, tournament that it wouldn't bother me at all, the only one would be Canada. Yeah. Any, anything else would have been like really crushing. But uh, uh, the, Canada is a great team. But one thing that I'm not going to concede anymore, one thing that I was thinking at the time, I was like, you know, Canada is better, blah, blah, blah. But if you really think about it, Canada is not that much better than the United States. That team was Mm-hmm. I, I know they were playing a little bit nervous, you know, and it was, it's got to be difficult when they have so much pressure on them. But still, I, I don't think the gap in talent was as big as the whole everybody made out coach. No, I completely agree with you. I think that's one of the things that came out from the games. And, and to, to compliment Canada, I don't think it's not like Canada's hockey has come down. Canada's hockey has remained phenomenal. That team's great, phenomenal. great. The other teams have risen their game, in particular the unit, the USA. So it's not like Canada has to feel bad. They should take pride in the fact that Joel, that other countries are excelling now so much in hockey, particularly the U.S. They are rising near the level that uh, the Canadian team was. Uh, very similar to you look at the 1992 Dream Team and how they mowed over people, and then all of a sudden the rest of the world was like, oh. That is the level of basketball that you guys actually play in America. It isn't a bunch of college kids. And isn't it amazing how quick the rest of the the world, they haven't really caught up to U.S. because when U.S. decides to really play, they will dominate. Mm-hmm. But how much the, the rest of the world being able to play with the best American players, how much it's raised the rest of the world played in, in basketball. It's the same way in hockey. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's good. since 1998, the professionals have been playing again in hockey, and what a surprise. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the rest of the world starts catching up to Canada. It's so. a solid, solid comparison, no question about it. Big dog and a coach here on uh, Two Guys at a Mic on the TalkZone.com. Uh, big dog, everybody talking about it being a great, great gold medal game, a classic game. Actually, the and see if you disagree with me here or agree, the first two periods, you alluded to it. Both teams were playing very tight, not just the Canadian team. It was a slower game than I thought. I was a little disappointed, but boy, the third period and the overtime sure turned it around. But didn't you feel like the first two periods that, in fact, it was not really a great hockey game? Well, it was a really, really good tense game, but I guess that happens because the difference when you're playing in the the, the preliminary round, and if you lose, you still go on, you don't have as good a, a, a seed, you know, you deal with that. 
But when you win, you lose. You know, it's a little different, Coach. And I think it was just like one of those like seventh game Stanley Cup playoff mm-hmm. type atmosphere things. And it's just, I, I don't blame either team. When one mistake costs you the gold medal, sometimes that, is, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's hard to play at your normal usual stuff as a hockey player. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. But that boy, that third period was good stuff. And I was rooting, and again, and uh, you know, a little bit rooting for USA, but mainly just for a good game. But I was rooting so much in the third period for the USA. They were down two to one for them to get a goal, especially the last five seven minutes, because I wanted so badly to watch sudden death gold medal Olympic hockey. And as exciting as the Sidney Crosby winning goal was. I don't think it was as exciting as the unbelievable goal by Parisi. What's Parisi's first name? Zach. Zach Parisi's goal with like 25 seconds left when you thought all was lost for the USA. I thought that was maybe the most dramatic moment of the game. Those final couple of minutes, Big Dog, my stomach was every which way but loose. The, the coach, the, there is no doubt everything you said it is. said it perfectly. It was funny. The guys in our house were like, Right now, it was Kane and Parisi. That's all everybody was saying at the house. They just kept saying it over and over again. And next thing you know, Patrick Kane creates an opportunity, gets it to the front of the neck, and Zach Parisi tripping, falling, stumbling. His puck uh, ends up on his stick somehow, and he flips it into the net, which mm-hmm. he's done three or four times. He has the ugliest goals in the history of hockey, yet all his goals so far this tournament have been, like, gigantic, gigantic. Yeah, I mean, has he really skated through anybody and, and like scored a beautiful goal? It's like him diving, slapping mm-hmm. at a stick with one hand, and it redirects to finish the game off or something. So he's he's, he's a, gr- a really interesting tournament. He's a grinder. I haven't watched him play that much in the NHL, but I will always remember that goal. Me and my uh, son David watching it scream so loud. Both the uh, wife and my older son, who have absolutely zero interest in the game, came down to see if I needed uh They were checking their CPR manuals to make sure how many, you know, is it 30? <laughs> it couldn't have been louder than our house coach, but what is it, how many CCs that you, uh, how, what, 30 and 2? <laughs> yeah. Is that it? I believe, well, you know, and now you don't even have to worry. You know, a little public service announcement, Big Dog. You don't have to do the mouth-to-mouth anymore. Your two hands, everybody, everybody who's not handicapped, everybody with the two arms and two hands, you have a life-saving device on your body, and they're the two hands. If someone breaks down with a uh, heart attack or a cardiac arrest and you're worried about the mouth-to-mouth, just dig in with the heels of the hand, center of the chest, and go to it. That's the message now from your Heart Healthy CPR group. Have, have you have ever had a... Do that? Have you ever had a quickly uh, maneuver and get in a position to save somebody's life? You know, I've been trained on it once a year via coaching, and I have never had to use it. Now, I'm guessing about Thursday this week with producer Randy Myers. I've been playing it over in my head. If, if he does go down, I'm kind of, you know, doing mental, you know, athletes will go through mental uh, imagery. Uh-huh. Try to picture their performance. I've been doing that with Randy. In fact, last night woke up in the middle of the night was dreaming about me giving CPR to Randy. Why isn't this an awkward moment? <laughs> Compared to our old production stuff that we've had in the past. Yes. Uh, Talkzone.com, they're like the athletes in there. They're just, I mean, <laughs> but, but, they're, but they're still producers. They're probably I, you know, in better shape. Now that you mention it, if you compare the production step behind the scenes of Internet, uh, sports talk, or, or Internet radio, if you will, versus regular radio. There's no question, both on appearance and general health, that internet people are way ahead of the radio world. You know, I was. It's it's no longer a stereotype. It, it, it's a fact. <laughs> it, I mean, I, I'm just thinking. You know, you got to be politically correct. If you're in radio production, yeah. you need to start walking on the block yeah. once or twice. 
Have you ever uh, had to give mouth to mouth? Have you ever had to, uh, God forbid? No, I, I, I have not had to do okay. that. Right now, I'm not certified coach, you know, but I've been through all the classes and I, mm-hmm. I know how to. It, but if, if somebody went down, you you would feel somewhat comfortable jumping into action. I, I would, yeah, well, definitely. Yeah. I think I would have to. I hate to. I hate to say this, and this is probably in a bad way, but I think I do kind of like have a hero complex. I would like to be in those situations. I'm the guy that says, oh, yeah, please put me by the door. Do you want to be, like, pardon the expression, but or, do you want to be on top or on the bottom? Um, it all depends, really, Coach, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. I'm more of a moving, like all-around <laughs> type person, but uh, that's another story. So I don't, I don't know what the hell that, what are you going to be, the victim for the first part of it and then switch positions and all of a sudden <laughs> resuscitate the person who was oh, resuscitating you? I don't want to be the victim, Coach. No, no. I would much rather be the person performing <laughs> the CPR, performing the Heimlich, which so I've, you'd done, re- I've actually done the, the, the Heimlich on somebody. So you'd rather be on top. A simple answer would have sufficed. I didn't. Well, sometimes you, you confuse me, Coach. <laughs> Just sometimes. I'm disappointed. I wonder in the annals of uh, first aid, has it ever happened? Has it ever happened where the person <laughs> giving the mouth-to-mouth resuscitation revives the patient, revives the person that was about dead, and then by putting so much energy into it, they have the heart attack, the person that was being resuscitated comes to life, quickly realizes that they have to revive the other person. Has there ever been co-reviving at the same time, Joe? Uh, Not that you would know. I'm just gandering a guess. I would have to say the chances are yes. And in some weird, or that could be a, a good start of a of a comedy <laughs> uh, drama TV series. You know, that, that'd be the first show. You know, then they fall in love and you know, they live happily ever after, except for the quirky things that happen to them. I, because I would have to say yes. Okay. I bet you it's happened. I have no idea how we got on that. Well, apparently, the, the 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 drama of the. Uh... What's Parisi's first? Zach Parisi's goal. Zach Parisi. Yes, we were comparing it to how dramatic that was. And the Sidney Crosby goal for the gold medal. What a classic, classic moment. About five minutes in overtime. That, by the way, when you watched it on replay, that was a yeah. sensational goal. Oh, the given goal with Jerome McGinley? That, that's what it was. I mean, you're that, talking about two NHL scoring leaders, multiple. McGinley and Crosby have led the NHL multiple times, and they're the ones who team up for the overtime goal. If you're like Canadian, it's perfect. Because seriously, I, I think really Canadian, Canada is the same way that they don't like it when they lose to the Slovaks or the Russians. I don't, or, or Czech mm-hmm. Republic. I, seriously, I really think they have the same feeling too. You know, they would rather have the North Americans deciding hockey's world championship than, mm-hmm. you know, between the Russians. So in some way that was, it was like perfect for the, for the Canada team too. It was dramatic. They had a revenge loss against their little brother, and they did an overtime in two of their most renowned Hall of Fame players. Sport. I know they're both young, but they're both mm-hmm. going to end up in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And I like the term you used. I didn't hear any of the announcers use it. I don't even know if it's a hockey term, but you said give and go because I'm a basketball guy, and that's exactly what they did because Crosby helped to dig the, the puck out. And then again, uh, Jerome McGinley got the yeah, ball on the boards. He to the corner, and he went right to the net. Yes, and Brian Rafalski? Yeah. Oh my, coach. What can he be a Blackhawk? That. Oh my goodness. I want him on the Blackhawks. Well, he's a great, great defenseman. He had a phenomenal Olympic Games. But you could see when Crosby did the little quick boom explosion to the net, the give and go, if you will. Rafalski was just a little bit late. Again, they made an unbelievable pass. But the more you watch that play, that was a sensational. Again, I'll use a basketball term: two-man game by Oginley and, and Crosby to produce the goal. Yeah, it, it looked like those two legitimately. Uh, the, those two are so instinctual in the game of hockey. That's why, 
you know, to me, hockey always seems like if you play together a long time, you can just dominate. That's why I'm always baffled how you can they can go out on the ice after they play with each other legitimately, coach, like for about a month every two years, and that's like and it's like and it's only like two weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they and yet these guys look like they're. They've been playing together forever. That's It's some beautiful stuff. You know, I was going to ask you also, based on what you just said, the sudden death, I didn't know it at the time, or I didn't know beforehand, but the sudden death for the gold medal in the Olympic hockey, you play 4v4, using yeah. a soccer term, 4-on-4. Four four. So my question to you here, we got to hit a quick break here, but um, how many times do you think the U.S. team or the Canadian team actually ran through drills or practiced Four on four, because I'm assuming, Big Dog, the technique, the strategy is a lot different. Here it is, the gold medal's on the line. How much practice do you think both coaches spent on they, the 4v4? They, I, I don't know even how much practice time they get, Coach, but I guarantee you uh, Babcock uh, definitely looks it over. He's the Canada coach. Mm-hmm. and uh, Ron Wilson? Yeah, he they did too, Coach, because okay. they know going in that the overtime rules in Olympic hockey for medal round is four on four. Even in the preliminary round, it's four on four. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just five minutes in the preliminary round. It's ten in non gold medal games, and it's twenty in gold medal games. And Coach, I, I really would rather have them do five guys on the ice for the for the medal round games, and I'd rather have them do it on the ice the whole time because they're NHL players. They want. They don't want the championship game to be settled on a shootout. So you have to put four out there in the twenty minutes. Well, you know somebody's going to score a goal start, in twenty minutes of only eight guys on the ice as a point. Or, or start five on five, and then after ten minutes you go to four on four. Whatever it is, though, whatever it is, please, please don't ever have a gold medal hockey game decided by a shootout. Yeah, please, please, exactly, coach. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm just so glad. I'd rather have. I'd rather have Canada win it on the ice and the U.S. winning it in a shootout. Beautiful. A very emotional, almost uh, choked up Joel Radwanski talking about the gold medal Olympic hockey game. Phone lines are open, folks. It's our Olympic swan song show. We'll talk about some other stuff, too. We'll get into some college basketball and a few other things, but uh, Olympic swan song, Olympic resume here on the docket for today. 888-463-6748. We'll take a quick break. Back in a minute. The dog and the coach, two guys in a mic. TalkZone.com. the talkzone.com 888-463-6748 the big dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock phone lines are open dial it up we're talking uh the olympic games kind of our memories thereof and boy big dog you look back a couple of weeks and started off a little shaky with the weather and actually the weather 
was shaky for the whole two weeks, and it was unbelievable. It never really got cold in Vancouver. They had an unseasonable warm weather, the tragic death of the loser in the beginning of the games, some difficulties with the lighting of the Olympic flame in the opening ceremonies. But after all that in the beginning, uh, dog, I don't know how you feel, but I thought it was uh, two weeks of extremely well-run and, as always, great Great sporting moments in this year's Olympics. Yeah, and you know what? I got Olympic burnout as soon as Sidney Crosby's goal went across the end line. Mm-hmm. And I was done with the Olympics, but it happened at the, the right moment. Yeah, you were talking about it last week, like a week ago, when are you going to get Olympic burnout? Yeah, like, I didn't get it at all, Coach. It was really, really entertaining. Yeah. And, uh, I, called know, it, um, I called it Wobo. W-O-B-O. I did get it right around Tuesday or Wednesday, and then I snapped out of it. I had to have a little Wobo winter Olympic burnout, but um, it certainly ended this weekend. I thought the weekend uh, finished off tremendously. Well, they do it right for me because they, uh, you know, the, the gold medal hockey game is always on the last Sunday, and uh, the women's figure skating is always the last, like, last couple of days yes. of, the, of the Olympics also. I know for, for mostly the wrong reasons, that's one of your highlight events. Yes, Coach, but they do have an age limit now, so it makes me feel a lot more comfortable watching it. Glad somebody feels comfortable, certainly not me. <laughs> that, that age limit is not as high as it should be for people like you, Big Dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, I started off the show, I don't know if you were on the line or not, talking about a, a sport I watched over the weekend in speed skating. I guess they're... Yeah, the pursuit, that's been around at least a couple Olympics, Coach. But how cool is that? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I didn't see it this year, but I do know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. And- I love, love relay races, whether they're on ground or they're uh, on ice. They're fantastic. And I didn't see this one this year. I also like the short track relays, which Mm -hmm. are a lot more confusing. Oh, my goodness. Those are a lot more confusing. The short track relay was like, like remind me, I used to teach uh, PE. We'd play a game called pom-pom. You know, the person in the middle would call one, two, three, pom-pom. You had like 65 kids running through the playground chasing each other. That's Uh what the short track relay, I'd never seen such... I guess you could call it organized confusion. I had no idea what was going on, but it looked like it was fun. Well, it's it, just like regular relays when they're uh, more than like 100 meters. The people that are going to are waiting for the baton or the mm-hmm. pass, they don't have a baton because you can't. It's on ice. That would be bad <laughs> if you dropped it. Uh, but uh, they, they, you have to wait in line. And sometimes there's passes, and it makes it totally confusing. It's pretty well, funny. Well, but the, the difference in the short skate relay, and this was done like uh, I think the first week, the difference is uh, the, the skaters were moving. And yes. all the skaters, you had like all, I don't know, was there four teams, four skaters? You got 16 skaters, and they were all moving and jockeying for position at the same time. And a running yes. relay, it's a little confusing, but the runners are basically waiting for the passing of the baton. Good point, good point. And then yeah. they, they do a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot more jostling for position on a much shorter yeah. area, in a much smaller area, going a lot faster. Mm-hmm. With, with with knives on the bottom of your feet. <laughs> and uh, now, that, now that you you call the team pursuit a relay. It's not really a relay. It's a little different. Yeah, I guess so. Because there's no hand. You basically have three skaters, and you're yeah. racing against the other team. They're on one side of the rink, and you're on the other. And then you're racing around the rink, and, and each team has its own finish line directly opposite of the other. Yes, exactly. But it is really, really cool. And the old expression, you are only as strong as your weakest link, big dog applies to that because it doesn't matter how good your first two skaters are. It's when that last skater crosses the line. The American women uh, found that out the hard way in the bronze medal match. So they lost? Yeah, and basically um, it was a coach's decision. They put a, they rested one of their starters, if you will, 
and brought right. someone in off the bench. An interesting move by the coach. The only problem was the young lady they brought in off the bench on the last lap fell behind. Oh, not good. Not good. Can you imagine how she feels, too? I mean, it's bad enough for yourself, but when you cost your teammates a chance at a medal, eesh, a little rough. You let your, a little you let rough. your coach down, you let your teammates down, mm-hmm. you let yourself down. The yep. Olympics now are nothing but a bad memory for that young woman. Yeah, unfortunately. But, uh, boy, great, great memories throughout the couple of weeks, dog. And I want to put you on the spot, but if you could look back the last couple of weeks, uh, certainly the finish of the gold medal game, but other dramatic moments, little uh, snapshots, if you will, that you think might linger and stick in the big dog's mind from uh, 2010 Vancouver? Oh, w- without a doubt, it was uh, the young lady uh, from Canada, yep. Johanny, I forget her, Roche. Roche, yeah. Who, uh, whose, whose mom had passed away two days before her short program, you know, and four days before whatever, the, like, the long one, and, and then she goes out and gets a, does the best performance she's ever done in her entire life. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, definitely how great the Americans played in hockey. And and uh, and to be honest with you, and I'm like, I'm not trying to make fun of the, of the guy dying, but I'm talking about a comedy of errors. The Vancouver Olympics, there were so many screw-ups, so many coaches. In in the beginning, but I thought uh, after the, and some of the, you know, you can't control Mother Nature. But I yeah, thought but uh, after that, they went pretty well. Uh, you, you, they, yeah, like the last week was a lot less. There really were. There mm-hmm. really were. But uh, the first week, it was like thing after thing after thing. It was amazing, the laundry list of stuff that happened mm-hmm. that first week. Oh, I've never seen anything like it. The woman, I mean, the guy... Uh, Kumar Shavili dying in, in the luge was the worst. Without that, there, you can't even put a number on that. But mm-hmm. seriously, the woman who, who just goes off the track in Nordic skiing and they, they, she falls into the 15-foot well that's only like a foot wide, the only one place in the whole entire track that she shouldn't have fallen. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like, how could this happen? It was, it was like something that was going on that was crazy. I actually think I missed that. I did not see that happen like in uh, early in the games. Yeah, it was like the it was like the I believe, it was like the second or third day coach, and mm-hmm. her name was uh, um, Majdik. It was M A J D I C, mm-hmm. and she was a, like the favorite in like one of the shorter, like the one point four kilometer, uh, like Nordic events. So okay. It's like a sprint event for them. It's almost it's just short of a mile. Mm-hmm. And while she was warming up, she slid off the track and fell into a fifteen foot ditch, and it was only like a foot and a half wide. It was, there was no, it was, it's inconceivable that this is the one place that this, the, one of the greatest gears in the world fell. And she fell into, broke her ribs, coach. They thought she might have broke her back. Mm. They get her back on time because that was just the warm-up. She races and gets the bronze. Wow. And they got the last one. I mean, that's the, the biggest story of the game is her crying on the last wow. race. I, I don't know how I, I, I missed this entire story. Randy Myers, our producer, also uh Saying he missed that, that sounds like that's exactly the kind of cool, emotional uh, comeback stories that we love so much in the Olympics. I completely missed up on that one, so thanks for catching me up on that. What country was was she from? She was either Finland or Sweden, because I'm pretty sure it was Finland, because she definitely had blue on and it was a Scandinavian country, and it wasn't Norway, Mm because she wasn't part of the Red Army, whatever the heck they call those skiers, so... (laughs) Um. Yeah, that was yeah. So that was pretty cool that mm-hmm. came back. Uh, we could throw that out to our uh, listeners out there via the email. You can email us at Mike Two Guys M I C Number Two Mike Two Guys AOL dot com or give us a call triple eight four six three six seven four eight. A week from now, two weeks from now, a month from now, what do you think will be the lingering images? What 
little photographs, if you will, what moments are going to stick with you the most. Sometimes they don't have to be the most dramatic gold medal moments. Sometimes they're just real sentimental, emotional moments like the one that you uh, described. But uh, throw that out to our listeners out there. Which are the ones you think will last the longest? Will it be the Sidney Crosby goal? Um, you know, over the two weeks of watching the Olympic Games, there's so many of them. Uh, Certainly, you mentioned mishaps. Uh, the the one with the Norwegian skater, Joel. That's going to always be remembered, I think, by a oh, lot of people. No, 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 no. The Dutch when he skater coach, huh? The Dutch skater. Dutch. I'm the, sorry. Yeah, that another mishap. Yeah, that was. It was. You're right. The first week of mishaps were stuff the Olympic Games messed up on. The second week were like coaches mm-hmm. gas and like weird things that were going on. That that is like the fine line. And his reaction because he didn't realize there was any DQ. So when he crossed the finish line, Sven Kramer, who was the number one at his event, the power speed skating competition, he thought he won. And then the the picture that I will always have is the coach coming over and to the coach's credit right away. Right away, he took full blame for it. He told Sven Kramer, and then to watch Sven Kramer's reaction when he realized that he had been DQ'd by a coach's decision. Go! Yep. Oh. Yeah, so I, that's I that's one that will bad. stand out. How about in the women's figure skating, the performance of a unit Kim? I mean, you mentioned uh, Joanne Rochette from Canada, but uh, what's her name? Kim Yuna. Yeah. Coach, that girl is so spectacular. It's, it's un. Believable. Her, her, both her short skate and long skate is close to, you know, this is coming from someone who watches figure skating once every four years, but, uh, maybe that's the ultimate compliment you can give to young Kim Yuna is that someone like myself and like yourself are moved by her performance. She was absolutely brilliant. The only way to describe it for me is this. I watched, uh, the half pipe once every four years. Uh, yes. I was doing that game. And I don't know what's good or bad, but when I see Sean White go down there. Yep. After watching everybody else, I'm like, that guy is that that red-haired dude is the best, and you can't even doubt that. It's mm-hmm. the same when you watch. You, I don't know really. I can't tell if that triple lust is better than that girl's triple axle. I don't even know the difference. I do know I think the axle's tougher. That's all I know, and I couldn't tell which one was which. Mm-hmm. But when you see her skate, it's yep. like the same thing with Sean White. You're like, yeah, that girl's the best. Yep. No thing doubt. of beauty, athletic, uh, almost like a- athletics and poetry or beauty put together. Yeah. The two how, of how them. does the girl get that be, be that pretty? I don't know. I yeah. really don't know. <laughs> and uh, you know, other th- things. I, I will always remember the reaction of uh, Lindsey Bond, our great downhill skier, who, as it turns out, did not have quite the Olympic Games that some predicted for her. She only, I think, ended up getting maybe a gold and a bronze. There was the chance she was going to be the dominant person to win, you know, three or four, maybe even five golds, but. Winning her first one big dog, that reaction when she crossed the finish line, I don't know if you remember this or not, well, arms up, and she basically just flopped into the snow, a combination of, uh, of of relief and joy. It was one of the moments I will remember from the Olympic Games. Yeah, yeah, describing that, you brought up two things to me that that I, I, I that we should talk about, that, that there weren't one of them this year. There was no big U.S. flop. Who was the big U.S. flop this year, Coach? The big U.S. star? Flop. Oh, flop. You talked about how she flopped, like falling mm-hmm. down, not like she did badly. But there, 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 normally there's always a flop, like it was Bodie Miller last Olympics. Oh, he didn't medal. He's mm-hmm. a bum. You know, there really wasn't one this year. There wasn't a flop. But this year, like there always is every Olympics, there were two Americans that ended up being rivals on the, without their knowing of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where it was like either you're a Lindsey Vaughn guy or you're a Julio Mancuso guy. Now, I know, Coach, you're going to be like, oh, I like them both. 
But, you know, from now on, I'm not sitting on the fence. I, I'm a Julia <laughs> Mancuso guy, to be quite honest. But, I mean, they, they didn't mean to start a rival, rivalry, uh-huh. but there's a rivalry now, and either you're a Vaughn guy or a Mancuso guy. Yeah, Julia Mancuso, in, in that first event when they got up, uh, she got a silver. Lindsey Vaughn got a gold. She was putting on her happy face, trying to be good sportsmanlike. But as the week wore on, I think all the Lindsey Vaughn love and the lack of love for um, your apparent attraction to a Julie Mancuso, apparently you were uh, not the only one, but she started to gain some popularity. The rivalry started to um, linger a little bit, and then it, Festered, I think it came to a culmination when uh, Lindsey Vaughn crashed, right? And then they had that moment. There, there was yes. several weeks before that, and then that happened, Coach. <laughs> yeah, where basically Julie Mancuso was coming down the hill after Lindsey Vaughn crashed, and they had to stop her halfway, saying because it was too it was dangerous because that and by the time let the steers go when the steer was still on the doing yeah. her course. Yeah. Because of the vision, they had to get them down faster because mm-hmm. they did, they wanted all the guys, excuse me, girls to get their run. I'm amazed they even let them go to begin with. I mean, maybe yeah, the TV. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? You're, maybe somebody... it's, it's possible the vision was a little bit better than what we saw on TV. But, boy, it did not look like anybody should have been racing out there, even going like five miles an hour, let alone 40 or 50 down the slopes, uh, you know, curving in between sticks or whatever, slaloming all the way down the hill. And it cost Mancuso. It did. Let's face it, because she had an incredible run the second day, mm-hmm. and she was having a great run the first day. Mm-hmm. So who knows? That that probably cost her being on the stage too, Coach. How about our U.S. gold medal bobsled team? Did you see them win over the weekend? And our... I didn't see it, and I, I think I asked you, and hopefully you found out, because I, I was really, really, really busy this particular weekend. I didn't see any Olympics uh-huh. uh, besides the hockey game on Sunday. All right, well, they pulled off a big upset, the four-man bobsled team. And, uh... Is the four-man faster than the two-man? Has this been confirmed? Or you know what? I don't know. I still can't figure out the whole bobsled competition. I started to enjoy watching it, but as far as uh, strategy or the differences in techniques between the two-man and the four-man, I don't think I could. I could try to lie my way through it, but I don't even think I could do that. But I, I will tell you, the guy a, that was steering... That guy has to sprint for six seconds and then jump into a freaking tube, Coach. That's for me. <laughs> so you're clearly I'm gay. There's nothing really up to say. Go for a ride? That's pretty much pretty much what the other three guys do, as mm-hmm. best I can tell. They they sprint and push in the beginning. They leap into the bobsled. That's part of the technique. Then after that, your life and your performance and your metal hopes are in the hands of the driver. I, I really could be the guy behind pushing. I really should be doing that somewhere, maybe one day down the line mm-hmm. before I'm 40. Yeah. Well, I know there was a guy from uh, the Chicago area. Went to Cornell. Football player in high school, football player in college, and he comes home, he gets a pretty good job, but and he, he just got married, maybe 22, 23 years old, mm-hmm. and he just got the itch to compete. And I guess he was watching Bob sledding the world championships or whatever, and he said, you know what, I might want to give that a try. Long story short, he makes a phone call. They say, hey, come on out to the training center. The guy's got potential. Two years later, two years later, he's on the United States Olympic bobsledding team. So it can be done, big dog. Is that easy? Because I, well, I was big and strong, Coach. I mean, so I, I, I messed that up a long time ago. Mm-hmm. The problem was the drug testing test. That really would have got me. Yeah, but you've got thick thighs. I don't know if your thighs could fit in the bobsled. You'd get a lot of chafing. I don't know if my shoulders would either, too, Coach. That's yeah. an issue. They'd have to get a little wider bobsled. That might slow things down. Maybe they could pad <laughs> the side. Or I suppose if you had a good cream, you might be able to uh, slide in there. Like, like, like a balm, you know, for yeah. afterwards. I'd yeah. be okay. I think I'd be able to handle it. <laughs>
for all those sensitive areas, right? All right. Uh, and by the way, the guy who was driving the bobsled, did you see him? A true yeah, Olympic yeah. athlete, about five feet, 10 inches tall, 230 pounds with a beer gut that all of us would have been proud of. And he's wearing that bobsledding outfit that showed all of his nicks and curves. Yes, I didn't need to see that, by the way. And by the <laughs> way, he is a Gentile coach. I beg your um, pardon? He's, he's on the face, most likely. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I can tell. Okay. I mean, to be quite honest with you, he did look like a former Division Three fullback, <laughs> like 15 years ago when he was in shape. Yes, very, very former. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still laughing over the Gentile thing. All right, we're taking a quick break. Randy Myers, our producer today, David Olson, taking the week off. Big Dog and a coach at your service here. Two guys and a mic. Dial it up, folks. We'll uh, switch off the Olympics in a minute here. But final thoughts on the Vancouver Olympic Games. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Basketball fans, we ain't forgetting about you. Coming up after the break. TalkZone.com, two guys and a mic. By the way, Big Dog, a couple of new members of our Twitter family joining us during the break. Say hi to uh, Lost and Lust and Leave It to Meet Cleaver. Now well, members of our Twitter family. It's good to have them on the Twitter family. I actually have started my own account, Coach. Really? This weekend, so I will join up and I will start tweeting and doing all that other stuff. I will finally join the 21st century. All right, you're not trying to steal Twitters from us, I hope. No, I'm hoping to gain. Ah, Tweets or okay. tits, whatever the heck they call it. Yeah, I'm things. still trying to figure out the whole thing, too. To tweet or not to tweet, that seems to be the question. Yes. yes. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but, no. you know, what the heck. I, I, if I think of something funny, I'll throw a couple funny things. Right. But I'm proud to have Lost and Lust, and uh, whoever leave it to meet Cleaver is, we're proud to have them aboard as listeners here on the Two Guys and a Mike show. Uh, big dog four years from now. i got to get the pronunciation correct, but... Uh, Sochi, Russia, 2014. Yes, yes, and I, let's. You know what? Sometimes you got to make sure decisions are made when, like, at the right time. I, I don't care because I'm not an NHL player and I can care less about the travel. They need to play in the 2014 uh, Olympics. So make sure Gary Batman knows because they're talking about not having the NHL players there in 2014. Mm-hmm. The Soviet, uh, Soviet, the Russians don't deserve that. They deserve to have a great Olympics. Make sure they go for that reason, number one. Number two, how many hockey fans were gained by these games the last couple of days? They've got to go, okay? So, Gary mm-hmm. Bettman, don't mess this up. I don't care if it's a long trip. The NHL players must be in Russia in 2014. Yeah, 90% of me completely agrees with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the NHL, it'll be back. 
Two weeks off, no problem. A little rest for the players. They'll come back fresher, more exciting. So I completely agree with you, the, you know, the, the Olympic Games and certainly this tournament, not just the Canada, the USA, the entire hockey tournament is an advertisement for keeping the pros into it. The 10% of me that disagrees is, you know what, if you did have uh, guys that aren't the NHL players, aren't the best of the best, there are so many talented players out there, Big Dog. I could still thoroughly enjoy watching the hockey. I mean, I could, you know, you know me, I can go watch a high school hockey game. Oh yeah, I know. I'm, and be, I'm, I'm, so from that standpoint, but for the most part, I agree with you. You see, I, I, I love that part of you, Coach, and I, I just want to let you know, the only reason why that there isn't more of that part of me is because I've, I've grown cynical, and I do know that countries like the United States and Canada will get screwed over in those situations mm-hmm. because you know, if, you, if you say everybody can play, then it's a level playing field. What you can say, only these people can play and these people can play. Well, countries tinker with that and they mm-hmm. maneuver around it you know what i mean and they take advantage of those situations and mm-hmm. if it wasn't for that i would be 100 percent completely in agreement with you now, it's you... the reason why i didn't know this until last yesterday watching the game in 1972 and 1976 canada did not send a hockey team to the olympics because they were sick of the soviet union basically sending a professional hockey team to the olympics interesting when canada and the united states were sending Basically, not even people in their top 100 in their country, you mm-hmm. know, so. Interesting. Some of our young listeners probably might not. I didn't anyways. know that until watching the game yesterday. I didn't know Canada boycotted Olympic hockey. Mm-hmm. So I thought that I thought that was pretty interesting. I'm going to look into that and, and read more into the story, but I couldn't mm-hmm. agree more with them. It just wasn't fair back in the day. Well, you know, the, the Russian the, hockey team, they're going to gear up uh, on their home turf in uh, Sochi. Am I pronouncing it right, by the way? Sochi, Russia? I, I don't know what it is, Coach. I haven't right. seen it. But. Sochi, Russia, 2014. If you do go on the uh, website, by the way, they are currently currently taking uh, applications for judging some of the events and, and also providing volunteers and security for different events. Might throw this out to you, Big Dog, and our listeners, 888-463-6748. If you could get the uh, ticky-ticky to Sochi, Russia in four years, what event for me, I've already sent an application in to judge the ice dancing. What event would you uh, want to volunteer for? What event would you want to be a judge for? For me, it's ice dancing. Big dog, which way would you go? Coach, do you really even have to? Do you really even have to ask this question? I mean, I don't even know even how to be funny anymore. Gotta, you know exactly which one I'm going to be. It's okay. got to be the luge. Well, you don't judge the luge, coach. Huh? You don't judge the luge. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the women's figure skating. I can see Joel at the finish line. The lose eight, seven point forget. Who's that idiot with the scoreboard? You know, I see it'd be a little different. Well, I you be could be. The, I judge the women's figure skating. You could be and a volunteer. Just imagine me in the Olympic Village, you know, in the cafeteria, sitting down <laughs> next to Kim Yuna, be like, "Hey, you know, you're a little rusty." You know, I, I don't know if you got it like you used to. You know, I'm one of the judges here. Oh, hi, Joe, you big broad American. You know what I mean? That's, I can see it happening. Yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I certainly hope they do not let the judges mingle with the athletes. <laughs> I guarantee if you showed up to Sochi, Russia in four years, if that's not a rule, it will be very soon. <laughs> yeah. Do they have like a judge's village? Uh, I would imagine they probably have their own quarters, yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have... take a wild guess and say the judge's village not nearly as uh, wild and crazy as the Olympic Village could be, especially towards the end of the games. Are you, are you out your mind, Coach? Have you ever seen a lawyer party? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I, I mean, well, who knows? Well, I guess, yeah, those would be judges. It doesn't actually mean they would be, end up being a lawyer. Okay. 
Oh, boy, the, the post-Olympic judges party is really uh, something to behold, apparently, huh? It's, it's better than you think. Wow. And especially, especially, like, if you're, like, the French judge uh-huh. and the Russian uh, delegation Uh-oh. owes you dinner because you gave a favorable score to <laughs> to beat out the Peltier and, of Canada. Oh, hold on a second. Am I actually giving out real facts? Can you imagine the party she had, how much caviar and, <laughs> and, and other Russian delicacies she had? You know what I'm talking about? I, I I didn't in the beginning, but you're beginning to paint a picture. There was uh, the 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 ice dancing deal back in 2002, where the 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 French judge really downgraded the the Canadian performance of I forget the name of the the guy, but the chick was Peltier and she was beautiful. Do you know what I'm talking Dave, about? David Soleil was the guy, right? Oh, is that what it is? Like right. Pelletier, Pelletier and David Soleil, something like that, yeah. Okay, yeah, and and so, and they gave like a really high score to the Russian pair, mm-hmm. and then they end up sharing the gold medal together because they found out there was some controversy or yeah, something. Yeah, they went to a review, and, and they actually, the, the judges who reviewed it actually said, I don't remember the details of it, but this was totally inaccurate judging. There was some uh, visual or, or absolute favoritism shown. It was It was... Extreme enough where they actually made a, a change, which is very, very, very rare in Olympic judging in any sport. Yeah, and and it was rare. They just started handing out gold medals to everybody. As a matter of fact, all the the paid people in attendance, after they actually reviewed the actual tape of everything, they all got gold medals too because they realized anybody who can sit through that for two hours deserved a gold medal. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to put you down for figure skating. I'm going to judge the ice dancing, but either way, it's four years away, but I'm already excited about Sochi, Russia, 2014, Big Dog. Any... Well, yeah, it'll be out of my mind as soon as uh, I hear a crack of a bat. <laughs> okay, I hear the pitter-patter of feet-touching bases and going All around. Right. All right. By the way, uh, real quick before we exit the Olympics and quickly look at some of the other things that happened over the weekend, the final medal count, 37 for the USA, most ever. Now, of course, there were more events this year. Germany, nice uh, showing by Germany. They had 30, Canada 26. Norway, 22, Austria, 16, Russia, 15, South Korea, 14, China with 11, France with 11, and Sweden, not happy, big dog. They're not happy in Sweden. Now, they might fire their Olympic coach, only 10 medals for the Sweden team. Yeah, so that must be the head of the Olympic Committee's fault, right? I would think so. Yeah, it's got to be there. You've got to fire somebody, you might as well fire the head guy. Not a lot of happy people in Sweden right now. Yeah, you know it, it's funny. You know, it, I, I watch these. You know, with uh, I watch all the events with my friends and my mm-hmm. roommates and stuff. And oh, they get upset. Oh, that guy, that guy sucks in the speed skating. He finished in second. He got a silver medal. And I, I look at some like my roommates. Are you serious? Are you actually serious that you would say that? <laughs> I was like, you realize he just beat somebody that in he, guy, the guy that got the bronze medal. He's gonna go home and he's gonna get pelted because he was supposed to destroy this guy. I mean, it just cracks me up like how the difference in views. Once every four years, this is gigantic in Sweden and Norway and Denmark. This is their whole life, Coach, mm-hmm. these couple of weeks. Seriously. It's beyond. And then, like, in America, we actually get all fired up over a couple of speed skaters and a figure skater for, like, a couple of weeks. And then guess what? We won't think about these people again for four years. <laughs> sad, but if history proves correct, sad, but very, very true. By the Just way, like, to be fair, yeah. we had a couple Canadian uh, people email us saying, hey, uh, Make sure you point out the fact Canada actually had more gold medals than, than the United States. Anybody in the history of Winter Olympics? Yeah, four, of their 26 medals, 14 of them were gold. So if it's not about quantity, it was about quality for the hometown Canadian team. 
Uh, they had a, an excellent Olympics, and mm-hmm. and the fact that they didn't implode after the first couple of days of just disastrous uh, yes. things going on. Yep. You know, it, it's not always about whether you fall down, it's just whether you get back up. Mm-hmm. And, and Vancouver held itself strong considering all the stuff that was happening to it, you know, poorly in the first couple mm-hmm. of days of the Olympics. So. The higher the fall, the bigger the bounce up. Thank you very much. Uh, very quickly, very quickly. We only got a couple of minutes left. Other things that happened over the weekend. Big Dog, I was told by our Friday guest host, Jordan Burnfield, to check out the Syracuse basketball game on Saturday night. I'm glad he told me that. I watched Villanova take on Syracuse, one of the better games of the regular season. 34,000 at the Carrier Dome. Syracuse wins, and they will probably be your number one team right now because uh, a lot of other upsets this weekend. I would have to agree with it, and Jordan Burnfield giving you a good heads up on that particular game, Coach, mm. because if you're a college basketball fan, you got to love Syracuse. The highest-rated player out of high school on the team was 150th or 153rd-rated player in the country. But somehow you watch that team, and they're just fun to watch, Coach. Diving all over the floor. They're just like mm-hmm. nothing but a bunch of gym rats. I have a new favorite player, by the way. Comes off the bench for Syracuse, plays a lot of minutes. My new favorite player in college basketball, Scoop Jardine. Uh-oh. I love uh-oh. that guy. Why are you saying uh-oh? Uh, is he of uh, the Keith Jardine? Like the the king of mean Keith Jardine? Is he related to him at all? I don't think so. He's also not related to ex-LA Kings goaltender Gary Desjardins. Oh, okay, good. good. He is Scoop Jardine, though. <laughs> He's a heck of a player off the bench for Syracuse. And then the other uh, top teams uh, all got knocked off. Kentucky losing to Tennessee, Kansas getting beaten by Oklahoma State, Purdue getting knocked off. So numbers one, two, and three. It was upset weekend in college basketball, Doug. Yeah, upset weekend, and and it it was confirmed over the weekend. I, I don't know if you knew on Friday or not, but yeah, Robbie Hummel ACL. Yes, the season is over, and that that's really disappointing. Listen, listen, I'm a diehard Illinois fan. I hate Robbie Hummel just as much as any other Purdue player, but man, that's really too bad because that kid could really really play. And yep. So they're not going to have him for the Big Ten tournament or whatnot. But it's too bad. It's too bad. Up for grabs right now. Well, Michigan State, Michigan State, and Ohio State to me are a cut above. If you talk Big Ten, Midwest basketball. Now that Hummel is out. Now that Hummel's out. Yes. Yes. And to me, the shame is not only for Robbie Hummel. You feel bad for him, but for Purdue. I mean, this was a once in a lifetime team they had put together. You know, they had kind of built this team through the years. This was their year. They had a chance. A chance. To win the NCAA championship, they don't have that chance without their star player. Absolutely not. And, and kind of Syracuse, like not a lot of high, uh, like like pro type players. You know, Etwan, uh, uh, Etwan Moore, and uh, Juwan Johnson are going to be in the NBA, but it's not like you know, it's very rare for you get players like that normally. Mm-hmm. You know, normally they're more like your framers and your humbles. So no question uh, about it. NFL Combine, we're going to talk about it during the week, Big Dog. I know, even though you're Olympic freak. You are a guy that loves men in shorts. You had to take a sneak peek at the Indianapolis Combine. Um, Coach, I'm just going to tell you this straight up right now. Uh, I don't know if he can play quarterback in the NFL because of the whole release thing, and I know Tim Tebow is working at it. But the guy is freaking Superman, okay? But don't, let, don't, get, don't let anybody confuse you, Coach. If this kid can figure out how to throw a football quickly, he'll end up being in Incredible! He is a freak. He's a freak. He is a 38-inch vertical leap coach. Yeah, I was shocked to read that. I didn't know he was that kind of an athlete. Four seven forty and a 38-inch vertical for a quarterback. Wow. Okay, and I, I hear people, I, and I love this. And I like, I, like, I'll be out. Oh, did you play football? I play football. 
Yeah, what'd you run the 40 in? And then, like, then the, yeah, the guy's like, I ran a 4-3. And I'm just, and I always say to these people, oh, you must have really sucked at football. Because if you ran a 4-3 and you're not playing <laughs> in the NFL, you really must have sucked. You know, I always say that to them. Because this is an electronic time. You know what I mean, Coach? So you can say 4-7. Oh, that's decent for a quarterback. It is phenomenal for a quarterback to mm-hmm. run that fast. Seriously, Coach. And yeah. to be 238 pounds without an ounce of fat on you, mm-hmm. and people just bounce off of this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know. That was the most impressive display. I didn't realize he was that big of a freak athletically, Coach. Yeah. I didn't. Is that uh, camp over, or are they still um, they're measuring? Still, and... They're still. It's still on uh, NFL Channel all day today. So okay. I, I'll find out. I don't know if this is reruns or not, but I'm going to be watching. All right. So if you're really bored, you are going to be watching. You are a sick, sick individual, dedicated to your profession, but truly a sick individual. <laughs> if you're watching that stuff during the day. Actually, I am working for the next couple hours, and later tonight I'll be watching it. No Monday Night Football. Okay. So. And you're still a sick, sick individual. All right, Dahl, we got to wrap up today's show. Uh, tomorrow we'll make sure we mention that we got Michael Jordan taking over an NBA team. We had a winner in the PGA yeah, Phoenix awesome. Open. Also, another uh, performance by Jimmy Johnson. In the uh, and, and I love how Kevin Harvick said going into this race, I can't believe Jimmy Johnson can drive like that with where the horseshoe was lodged up. Yep. And Jimmy Johnson takes first, Kevin Harvick second, right? Yeah, oh, I love Kevin Harvick. He cracks me up. Yeah, great, great, great race. Coach. Beautiful. All right. Now, Dog, what days do we got you this week? Uh, We're not tomorrow sure. Tomorrow and Thursday, Coach. Tuesday and Thursday. All right. Beautiful. Randy Myers, our uh, producer today. Great job for the big dog and the coach. We do appreciate your listening to two guys and a mic. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10 o'clock Central Time. Thank you so much for listening, and have an outstanding day, everybody.